0: Well, good morning again. I'm excited, actually, for this this series. I was near last week, but I heard uh, Mike's message, and if you haven't heard it, you really need to hear that. Just fantastic! So he started off our series on Soul Watchers. It's a little bit different message this morning, more of a teaching kind of thing. Maybe this week and next week, more of a teaching than a preaching kind of a deal. And so. Uh, God's word all the same. I'm trusting and hoping for myself. It's already been so for me, but for you as well as we study God's word on this. Uh, we'll see a little bit more of who he is, what he's about. You know, years, years ago, I was 17 years old. My, my home church was probably at least 70 people, including nursery on a good Sunday. Um, I was elected as an elder of the church. 17 years of age, I'm an elder of the church. Let's tell you something about our, our church. It should have told me something. It should have given me some kind of warning signs. But I, I thought this was a great opportunity. I was interested in, in uh, felt God calling me into the pastorate. This would be a great opportunity to, to learn how to make these great decisions and be in this room with these men of, men of God and, and you know, the burning bush. And, it was just going to be an incredibly powerful spiritual experience. And so I was the the secretary, which meant that you wrote down, you know, you kept minutes. So everything that said and happened, you're writing all this stuff down. So I was all ready to go. And there were two elders over here. I can picture them right now. And there was the pastor and another elder over here. And we just started the meeting. And these, these two factions, I guess, two groups of people, they were at each other. I mean, they were standing up in veins popping out, fingers in the face. And they were, and that's just starting. It's it, it heated up as it kept going. And I'm writing all this stuff down. He said, what? Okay, well, let me write this down. He did a whoa, whoa, whoa. And so they're accusing each other, and the language is getting a little bit more, um, earthy, I would say, as we were going stuff. Elders ought not to be saying, and I'm, I'm writing this stuff down. You know, how do you spell that one? Whoa. whoa. And so I'm, I'm getting it all down, because I was going to be a good secretary. And, and finally, there was a lull in the, in the battle, and I think they were just kind of regrouping or catching their breath or something. And I said, because uh, I knew I was going to have to post these minutes on the bulletin board, and I never read anything like this before. But, so I, I said, you know, y'all, how much of this am I supposed to be writing down? Because I've been taking it all down, and they kind of looked at me with looks of horror on their face. And they, oh no, 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 no! Say, say! Much discussion ensued. Uh, I remembered I saw that phrase many times in previous minutes. Much discussion ensued. That's what this means. Well, needless to say, my uh, impressions of church leadership took a step back that day. And again, I don't know if it's just our, our. It could have been our church. Not all. We, our, our church. We were congregationally ruled, which meant that the elders brought a lot of the issues to the congregation, and they voted on them on a regular basis. But the, the youth loved to come to the congregational meetings because the congregational meetings were kind of a microcosm of the board meeting. They were yelling and they were screaming and they were calling each other names. And the kids loved to go. They were always well attended by the youth because they liked to see the adults get mad at each other and yelling and screaming. Uh, maybe it was just that. But I, I again, I had a very low view of church leadership. And I wonder if, in fact, you have had a bad church leadership experience Past for some, it may have kept you away from church as a whole for a long, long time. For for others, I'm guessing most of us know of folk who aren't here, who aren't coming back because they've had a bad church experience. Leaders in the church. Well, I'm trusting and hoping and praying that this series, as we open up God's word on this, is uh, going to make a, a Clear up a lot of things. Give us a lot of of understanding that we might not have. If you're visiting with us, you don't even know, sure, you're into Christianity stuff at all. This is not bad for you. This is good because you can see how it's supposed to be run. If, in fact, you're a long-standing member of the church. But still, you don't have a lot of clarity on this. Because in all of my days, I can't say I've ever heard a series on church leadership. But yet, here's the deal. God's word says a lot about this. And so, if we care about God's word, we should care about this. Now, there are really three forms. I mean, this is kind of the teaching thing. Just kind of ride with me for a minute. There are three forms of church government typically in a Protestant church. No, in church. You've got the episcopal form of government which is really the denomination is in charge. The denomination tells those smaller churches what they're supposed to do. Roman Catholic Church is this way. The United Methodist Church can be this way in many, many extents. So you've got the Episcopal form. Then you, on the other side of the, the fence, you've got uh, the congregational form. And that's really where the churches are all autonomous, and the congregations vote on just about everything. They decide the issues. If, in fact, you grew up, as I did, Baptist, Evangelical-free, independent, non-denominational Bible churches, some of the churches in the holiness movement, they're kind of here, congregational ruled. Then there's a third form of church government uh, called the Presbyterian form. Guess what church embraces this one? But not just Presbyterians. It's not named after the Presbyterians, believe it or not. There's a word in Greek for elder called presbyteros. And that's what this elder rule. And so usually in these churches, the congregation elects the elders, but then the elders make all the decisions and they, on behalf of the congregation. We are elder rule. How long we've been this way, I don't know. Way before I got here. Now, this is why this is important. Because I know some of y'all are saying, "Okay, can we must move on?" Wait, wait, wait! wait. But it's important because this—if you are a member of First Alliance Church, next month, I believe, you will be getting information on how to nominate a elder. And what'll happen is you you get to to nominate an elder, and on the form, there's some prereqs. What it requires to be an elder, and look through those. But then you might see somebody or think of somebody. Hopefully you've prayed this through. Okay, who, the, who should be the elder? This is what you need to do. You need to go to that person and ask them. Don't just put their name down and send it in. We'll have to throw that away because it's just too much paperwork. We, we, we don't have the staff to be able to deal with that. You need to go ask them, can I put your name down? And if they give you a nod, yes, go ahead, put their name down, hand it in, and then the office will take it from there. And basically send those folk an application. They fill out this, this application. Then the nominating committee, which y'all elected at the last congregational meeting last year, they will go through all of those applications. They will meet with each one of the people and interview them. And then they will come up with a slate of names, one for each open chair. There will be three three to four open chairs typically for elders uh, each year. And bring them before the congregation at the congregational meeting in April. And we will either affirm or deny those people. Real important. Now, this is why this is huge. Because direction. We have an incredible responsibility. We're not talking about just being a good citizen okay, of your church. We're not talking about uh, church politics here. We're talking about God's word, obedience stuff. If the book of 2 Kings and 2 Chronicles tell us anything, what it tells us is, as the leadership is, so the church or the body is. And can you, if we get the wrong folk in, and you know who's at fault if we get the wrong folk in? folk in, We are at fault. I mean, we, we share that one. We, we, if we get the wrong folk in, that can mess up the church for generations. And so it's important that we, this week and, and next week, uh, specifically, that we listen, that we think through, that we work through in our own heart. We, we've, we've written down the people. that they, They're nominated. They come before the nominated committee. They come before us we, uh, for direction. They will direct the church. Also, uh, for, for this, um, not only will they direct, I don't even know how to use, I'll just use the word recruit. And this is my personal issue. I've talked to a lot of guys over the years, good godly guys. How would you be an elder? And a, a response is, are you serious? I'm not interested in that. Forget it. No way. Uh uh-uh. uh. Well, according to 1 Timothy 3 1, it says, Here's a trustworthy saying: Whoever aspires to be an overseer, that's a word that's interchanged with elder, desires a noble task. In other words, when we think of, of being an elder, sometimes we think, Oh, yeah. Are you serious? Forget it. Those bozos, no way. When God thinks of an elder, he thinks that's a noble task. And perhaps what we're doing is we're allowing our bad church leadership experience to color our thinking. God says, there's nothing more noble to aspire to. It's not necessarily a sign of, I'm ambitious, I'm arrogant, I'm prideful. All that junk can fit in because we're wicked people. But to aspire to, to lead the church in this regard, God says it's a good thing. Every godly man ought to be considering such a thing. There's another reason, though, why this is an important series. And I would call this spiritual uh, maturity. Again, maybe we've had a bad church leadership experience. Maybe we don't, uh, you know, we just, lots a suspicion around church leadership. endure them. That's about it. Um. Maybe we've just are victims of our society. We've got a lot of postmodern, anti-establishment, anti-authoritarian, uh, suspicion of all authority type stuff in our more than we think. Pretty much our culture today. Maybe it's just plain old sin stuff. I remember when I was little, my parents would let my older sister watch us, and when they were gone, she would kind of roll up her sleeves and put on the apron and kind of, you know, act like she's bossy type person. And typically, what I would say to her, we've all said this, right, to an older sibling, you're not the boss of me. Forget it. I'm not going to submit myself to the likes of you. You And basically, that's just a, a human dilemma. We've all got that anarchy thing going on inside. Where we're only going to submit ourselves to people who've got a big stick, they're requiring it, or someone who holds the keys to the car, and we want the car, or somebody who holds the pen for the paycheck, and I want the paycheck. Beyond that, we are, we're Americans. We are not going to submit to anybody. Unless we absolutely have to. But here's, here's the problem. Have confidence in your leaders and submit to their authority because they keep watch over you as those who must give an account. Do this so their work will be a joy, not a burden, for that would be of no benefit to you. First Thessalonians. He says, now we ask you, brothers and sisters, to acknowledge those who work hard among you. This is the church leaders, who care for you in the Lord and who in- admonish you. Now, I've, I'm not talking, God's certainly not talking about blind adherence to unaccountable, ungodly uh, Tyrants. You know, let's just have some Kool-Aid, y'all. Let's just have another wacko Texas thing going on here. It's not what God is saying. If we run the church the way God has said we should run the church, it'd be a whole different experience. But this so I'm not asking anybody to trust anybody right now, except for to say that we can't just dismiss these verses. We can't just dismiss. It amazes me. Evangelical Christians will fight for certain verses. I mean, we'll go to the wall for them. We'll get we will bleed for them. But other verses that we're not interested in obeying, we'll just kind of gloss over those babies. That's all right. Somehow we have to deal with this. We need to ask ourselves, how do I stack up with this obedience type of thing? Spiritual. So let me tell you where we're going. Last week, Mike started us with really the origin of leadership. It starts with God. He chooses who he, he will. It doesn't have anything to do with our ability. It's God working through us. Today, we're looking at the, the what of, of church leadership, soul watchers. What do they do? What's an elder supposed to do? Next week, it's the who of soul watchers. Who is an elder supposed to be? And then the, the next week, and you don't want to miss this one, it's the 30th of November, I'm doing something real special, but we're really going to be looking at the bottom line. Of leadership in God's mind. So, the what, the who, and the bottom line. Will you turn with me in your Bibles? 1 Peter chapter 5. 1 Peter 5. Let's, let's dig right in. We'll look through these, these first four verses, it's kind of a, a big overview, but I think that will give us an understanding of what God wants. His leaders to do it says to the elders among you I appeal as a fellow elder a witness of Christ's sufferings one who also will share in the glory to be revealed now let's stop for there for just a second uh, the elders among you'll give you just a bit of a bit of history this is helpful for us we first find the word elders uh, Moses has been hanging out in the desert and he's going back to the uh, Israelites who are in bondage in Egypt. And he's going to try to get them out. Um, but he's going to meet with the elders. Now, the way Israel worked is they were very clan-oriented. And uh, the oldest guy, the patriarch of the, the, the big extended family, all those guys would kind of get together and, and direct. Now, you didn't have a whole lot of power when you're underneath the thumb of, of Pharaoh. But still, that, that was that deal. Once they got into the land, villages popped up all over the agrarian countryside. And keep in mind, Israel had no police force. So guess who the police was? Well, the, the, the elders, the, the patriarchs of their families. Sometimes we would find extended families, three, four generations living together, basically, in one little group. They did this for different reasons, but the oldest guy was the the patriarch, he was in charge. And so the elders would get together and kind of determine and talk through if this was just or unjust, and and if God's word was violated here, and they would talk through police issues, and security issues, and and crop issues, and, and they led the villages. And then between 586 BC and 1947 AD, Israel was not autonomous. They didn't own their land. They were always under the thumb of some other government. Still, even though the Jewish people were scattered everywhere, if a city town had a substantial enough Jewish population, they could have a synagogue. It wasn't where they could sacrifice. You could only sacrifice in Jerusalem at the temple. But it's like a church for Jewish people. They ran it with a Sanhedrin. Each synagogue had a Sanhedrin. Twenty-three elders ran it. The chief Sanhedrin, which was in Jerusalem, they had 70 people, but those were the elders. When you read the New Testament, Jesus is often bumping up against the elders. As are these guys, the, the leaders of the, the Jewish nation. So when the church started, Acts 2, it was normal. It was, all these Jewish folk, it was normal to say the guys who led it were... Elders. This was just a normal mindset. It was a normal deal. Now, in in the New Testament, as you read it through, there are at least three different terms that are used interchangeably. It's important because some folk have thinking, no, there's three different roles or three different groups of people. If we had time, we would show you they're all used interchangeably. First word is bishop or overseer. Uh, That speaks of their, their leadership, their management. Second word is elder. It speaks of their uh, spiritual maturity. And the third word is pastor or shepherd. Uh, that speaks of, of their heart. Today we've got a little bit of a difference between pastors and and uh, elders that wasn't known of in the New Testament. They, 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 they had guys who were paid in the New Testament. Those are the guys who studied. He who who is, uh, how does it say it? It says, those who teach well should be counted... Worthy of double honor, that was—they could be paid. They could make their living based on the gospel. But they were all elders. They were all—they were all elders. And so Peter says, "Okay, these elders, this is what you're supposed to do." Verse two: Be shepherds. That's pastors. It's the word. Be shepherds, elders of God's flock that is under your care, serving as overseers. You can see it right now. Elders, I want you to be pastors and overseers. So he uses all three of the words right here. Not because you must, but because you're willing. Now, shepherding, understanding the guys who read this originally, they knew what shepherding was about. Now, most of us don't have a whole lot of experience with shepherding sheep. So a little bit of context is helpful. Because when they said shepherd, we still aren't sure what it means. These guys knew what it meant. Sheep. Sheep, uh, I don't know if they're as stupid as we give them credit for being, but um, they sure display some character qualities that well, would make us put them in, in the category. They, uh, sheep cannot smell water on the wind like a lot of animals can and so they have to be led to water to drink they, they are afraid of running water they can 't go there can 't bring them into stagnant water that 's bad for them, so they have to be led to to drink if in fact, they wander away, even if water is just short distance from them, they will not sense it they won 't understand they will just die of thirst where they are they, if they don 't have a, a shepherd taking care of them, they will Of thirst, sheep need to be led as far as what they eat. Sheep are not picky eaters. They'll eat oats. They'll eat grass. They'll eat uh, stinkweed. They'll eat poison ivy. They'll they'll eat whatever. They'll eat these noxious, toxic weeds that will hurt them. Uh, They don't know, and so a shepherd has to protect what they eat. Uh, Sheep get lost easy. They they understand immediate uh, surroundings, but if they walk go away, they can't get back. Uh, sheep are defenseless. You never see a sheep biting. Ah, you don't see them scratching or growling. Ah, they, they, they have no defense. Uh, they don't even run very fast. And even when they're under the, the, the shadow of a predator, they might not run at all. They might just stand there and baa as the thing gets eaten. Sheep are filthy animals. We think they're nice white cotton ball. Do, 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 do. Their skin produces lanolin, which is like a sticky, greasy substance, I'm told, and therefore sticks are sticking to them, dirt is sticking to them, all kinds of horrific things, um, filth. This is a bad picture, but I've got to share this. I mean, it's accurate, but it, it's just kind of gross. Um, and the, the bottom of a sheep, where waste is eliminated, has to be cleaned regularly, otherwise the sheep can get infected. Otherwise, uh, just to keep them regular, guess whose job it is? To clean the bottom of the sheep regularly. It was not a fun thing to be a shepherd. Uh, you can understand why that's the lowest thing. On, why they're mostly always unclean. They're not even allowed to, be, to participate in the temple. They're just a, a rough, rough situation. Sheep uh, are easily led. They're, they're deceived. Matter of fact, today, if there are, if there are ranchers for, for sheep that use them f- for meat, uh, at the right time of the year, they will introduce a, what they refer to as a Judas sheep. And what he'll do is he will lead the sheep, they'll follow him, lead them right into the slaughter area, lead them right through the chute, all of them marching right to the slaughter, and then at the last minute the door will open and the Judah sheep will come out just so he can go get another batch, uh, but they will e- be easily led. Easily deceived. The sheep have no self-preservation instinct. If they hurt themselves, they're not trying to take care of themselves, and they'll just die. If they got a heavy fleece and they fall over, they can't get up. Sheep are just hopeless and helpless and filthy animals. And they need a shepherd who is gentle, patient, and and loving, one who can give protection and security, who can guide, knowing that the sheep will probably never really realize the price the shepherd has to pay to, to uh, invest to shepherd them. The people knew what it meant to, to shepherd the sheep. Now, it's, it's worse here with, 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 with these guys in First in Peter. What you don't see, verse 1, NIV leaves out a very important word. They just omitted it because I don't think they think they, you needed it. But the word therefore is there. Right at the beginning of verse 1. You can check out other versions. It's there. It's not in the NIV. Therefore, Peter's saying, basically, because of everything I've just written, elders, make sure you shepherd the sheep. What's the stuff he just wrote? Well, a primary word in First Peter is suffering. These guys, this is a bad time for the church. This, these folk are facing major persecution with the guilds. They're, they're, that's, they're, it's their unions, and they're all unionized. So they're getting kicked out if, in fact, they're following Christ. A, a Jewish family, often, if you seek to follow Christ, would pronounce you dead, and you'd have a funeral service, and you're kicked out of the house. These folk would be uh, ridiculed and mocked, often beat up and tortured. And so can you imagine? They come to church on Sunday. And they have lost, and they have got scars, and they have got pain, and they have got hurt. Peter says, because the world's not friendly, the folk of faith, because relationships, he talks about in here, are sometimes very hard to manage. Are they not? Sometimes, Peter says, government will come and step on your, your rights of those who are seeking to know Christ. Because of all these things, elders, make sure you shepherd sheep appropriately. What does that look like specifically? Shepherding the flock us. What's it look like? Well, scripture points out several different things. One is to pray for the flock. In James 5:14 if is anyone among you sick, let them call for the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord Jesus. That's what's going on uh, here today, even though, just so you know, at the end of every service we have, elders are available to pray for you. But specifically, we got an emphasis on that today. Feel free to God if, in fact, you would like them to pray for you. Understanding the context of James is a lot like like 1 Peter, though. The believers are getting... Uh, just beat up regularly, literally, by the time they come to church, you might not have the same numbers you had the week before because some have been killed and they come into church and they're wore out and they haven't a friend in the world, they've been ostracized and they're hungry. The elders' job is to encourage them and, and to surround them. To minister, healing job the elders. Because life is not easy for any of us in this world to live for him. The elder's job is to shepherd, to pray for us. Also, the elder's job is to protect the flock. Uh, Paul is writing to the Ephesian elders. He says this, Keep watch over yourselves. Actually, he's talking with the Ephesian elders here. He says, Keep watch over yourselves and all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Be shepherds of the church of God, which he bought with his own blood, I know that after I leave, savage wolves will come in among you and will not spare the flock even from your own number. Men will arise and distort the truth in order to draw away disciples after them. So be on your guards. primary job of the elders is to protect from false doctrine, whether it's internet stuff or television stuff or author stuff to, to be on their guard, conscious of what trends or what false teachings are out there that, that uh, the people in their flock are, might be getting into to protect from that. They also, they need to pray for, they need to protect, they also are, are concerned with the purity of the flock. In Matthew 18, what you find here is you find here a prescription... That's given by Jesus if you come across someone who's in the church, claims to be a believer, but they're living like a hellion. You know, these don't name anybody, don't point, but you know what I'm talking about. What do you do with these people? Now, if someone doesn't claim to be a Christian, they're living like a hellion. But if they claim to be another issue, and so Jesus says, if your brother or sister sins... Go and point out their fault just between the two of you. Don't tell anybody else. Don't be talking to anybody else just between the two of you. And if they listen to you, you have won them over. But if they will not listen, take one or two others along so that every matter may be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. If they still refuse to listen, tell it to the church. Most commentators will say that's the church representatives, the, the, the leaders of the church And if they refuse to listen even to the church, treat them as you would a pagan or tax collector. So I sit down with Joe because I see Joe doing some stuff he ought not to be doing as a believer. And I say, Joe, you're doing this stuff. And Joe says, Mark, you're all wet. Jesus is okay with what I'm doing, so I don't really care about your opinion. Well, okay, maybe I'm wrong. Is it possible? Absolutely it's possible. And so what I do is I find some people, hopefully spiritually mature people, not just folk who hold to my agenda, godly people. And I say, listen... Will you sit down with Joe and I because we got this difference and I'm not sure? And they say, okay, that's fine. And so I explain what what I see and Joe explains why what he's doing is okay. And let's just say the witnesses side with me and say, well, Joe, for crying out loud, what you're doing is straight up against God's word. There's no way he could be pleased with that. And Joe says, all of you guys are are out to lunch. Forget it. I'm not listening to any of y'all. What's the next step? Take it to the elders. And the elders' job is this church called church discipline. Their job is to step in. They talk. And let's just say that after interviewing Joe, they say, yeah, no, this guy is claiming to be a believer, but he's living like a hellion. They've got the right and the power to excommunicate. Take away their, their membership is what it comes down to. Churches that allow sin to run rampant among their membership take away the attraction to the gospel, greatly diminish any kind of discipleship that be happening among children, Um, have kind of what I had growing up, seeing all kinds of sin going on, and it's it's the way, I guess it's the way the church is. Um, Purity of church, it's it's part of the other's job. Also, they need to pray for, they need to, to protect the purity, also they need to lead the flock. If anyone... Does not know how to manage his own family. How can he take care of God's church? He's talking about the elders there. Matter of fact, one says that these guys are overseers, which are managers, leaders, And so it's kind of a picture is what a father does with his family. He tries to figure out, okay, where are we going? How are we going to get there? Is there anything blocking us from getting there? Let's make sure we're walking, we're moving in the right direction, the same direction to get where we need to go. That's part of the job of of the elders to look at the whole church, look at all of the programming, look at all the ministry, where we're going worldwide. Are we doing what Christ has called us to do or not? Are we getting entangled with secondary things, with little issues, with things that ought not to be? What do we need to be doing to accomplish what he's called us to accomplish? They lead the flock. And then the the fifth thing that the elders do, and I think this is the primary thing, is feed the flock. Jesus is getting ready to leave. And he, he corners Simon Peter, the guy who wrote this, by the way. He says, Peter, do you love me more than these Jesus Peter said, well, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, okay, feed my lambs. And Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And he answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And Jesus said, take care of my sheep, shepherd my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? And he said, Lord, you know all things, you know that I love you. And Jesus said, feed my sheep, two out of three of these things deal with the feeding. Uh, I don't think that's an accident when you look at the pastoral epistles. The number one job of the elder is to feed the sheep. When you look at 1 Timothy 3, fascinating, we'll look at more of this next week. Lots of, of character qualities. Matter of fact, they're all, uh, other than two things, character qualities. One is a standing in life, and one is a task. Only one task in in, in, in 1 Timothy Three, Titus 1, only one task for what an elder is supposed to be doing, one gifting kind of, one, one calling, one uh, job, that's ability to, to teach. He says, now the overseer is to be above reproach, faithful to his wife, temperate, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach. And does this mean he has to have a class? Nah, Titus one nine gives us some clarity. It says, he must, talking about the elders, he must hold firmly to the trustworthy message as it has been taught so that he can encourage others by sound doctrine and refute those who oppose it. The number one job of elders is not that they've been in the church a long time, it's not that they're sincere people, it's not that they're good folk, it's not that they're kindly oriented, it's not that they got deep pockets, it's not that they're leading some major thing out there. It's, are they men of the word of God? Not did they go to seminary, because none of these guys had been to seminary. But are they deeply committed? This is, this is a, 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 a non-negotiable issue, that they have to be not just knowledgeable of it, but, but living it out. They've got to know it by practical experience. They've got to be students of the Word of God. Now I had some Bible classes way back when, and now I haven't done anything. Students of the Word of God. So when people come to them with questions, they're able to show where God's Word comes to bear on it. Uh, we're, what the church needs is not necessarily Ivy League uh, credentials, or someone who's got CEO experience, or someone who's been a president of this, that, or other thing, or somebody who's got accrudiments of, of great worldly success the most important thing is a commitment to the word of god commitment to god now in verse 1 text peter says to the elders it's plural we we know this our understanding of scripture the church has always been run according to scripture by elders and it's always been run by elders plural always. You never find an example where there was one elder running. You got trouble if you got one elder running the church, don't you? Where you got a plurality is going to protect from that one domineering person. Go off there. Maybe they start off well, but get off off the path. If you got one person leading it, you got trouble. But but picture this. Uh, we, and we've got, I think, nine to twelve. Uh, we have nine to twelve elders. It's in our bylaws. It's not a Biblical number per se, just the size of a church. We think that that's manageable, that's appropriate. As you can imagine, some very sticky, complex, emotionally charged, he said, she said, issues come before the elders. You've got 9 to 12 guys. If they are all committed to the word of God, if they are all the who that we'll see next week, the character of God, They're looking at the situation. They've got one thing in their mind. We've got to honor God. We've got to do what's right. We're not concerned about fallout, but that's not what's going to drive us. We've got to make sure that he says, well done, regardless of what it costs. And so we lay this thing out, they look at it all, they're praying about it, they're saying we need more information here, 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 they're doing research on it, they're complying, God's word, how does God's word fit on this? They're bringing these things together, they're trying to put this very complex puzzle together. You know what's amazing to me, and I've been in this work a long time, some of the stickiest things come up, and the degree of Unanimity is amazing to me. Now, it's not always 100% unanimous. Every once in a while, you'll find a single elder who's got a different view, but this is why we've got plurality of of elders. Uh, These guys know. This one's going to cost us. This one's going to hurt. Because we can't share, due to ethics or confidentiality or legal issues or time, All of the data that we've assembled to get to this thing. So, this one's going to cost us, it's going to hurt. I'm going to lose friends. My kids are going to be mocked a little bit on this one. But they know that they have to do. Can you imagine all the decisions being made? In fact, the guys who are making them all first. Peter goes on, Peter says, let me give you, give you a couple reasons real quick why not to do this. Important as we think to our, who we're going to nominate to be elders next month. He says, not because you must do this. He says, shepherd, not because you must, but because you're willing as God wants you to be. If you ask someone you want to be an elder and they say, no, okay, that's a good sign to leave them alone. Don't say, oh, you know what, all those bozos, we need some intelligence in there. Would you please do this? Well, I might as well do this. No, 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 no. If they're not aspiring to do this, they probably ought not to be doing this. Uh, because I'm telling you, there will be some sticky things that will put on the table that's going to cost them. I can guarantee you every elder has lost sleep over some things that they come up. And if, in fact, you're squeamish, you're not interested in paying the price, this is not a calling by God in your life, then you're going you're gonna to back away in a hurry. So he says, he says don't do this out of, out of guilt because you have to. He also says, don't do this, not greedy for money, but eager to serve, or not for personal gain, whether it's money or whether it's prestige because I'm important now, I'm, I'm an elder, or, or maybe it's a pride issue, or maybe it's so I can get my agenda through. I'm going to direct it the way I want to direct it. That's what it my little group of people. I'm going to push it that way. He says, "Don't do it for personal reasons. That's not. What That's not what it's about. Don't 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 go down that road." And he says, uh, "Not lording it over those entrusted to you, but being an example." We're going to look at that actually in two weeks. That specific. Why would you want to do this? Verse 4, when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that will never fade away. I mean, look, look in verse 2. It says, shepherd, God's flock. This is not your flock. It's not my flock. We're all going to be gone. In 25 years from now, all new elders, all new pastors, uh, pastors, elders come and go. This is God's flock. Because of that, because it's not yours, because it's a stewardship. Hebrews thirteen seventeen. He says, uh, Because they keep watch over you as those who must give an account, they know. One day I'm going to stand before Him. and Jesus is going to say, I gave you my fly. I, I, I let you, what did you do with that? Knowing that we're going to be called to account. It drives. That's why you do, do this, this calling on you. I was uh, in a bus leaving Moody Church. Uh, I think we had to practice for the Messiah or something, singing Handles Messiah. So all the music groups were part of this I'm sitting next to this girl who's got a reputation of being a woman's liver. She's a, she's, she's a strong woman, man, and, 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 uh, at Moody. She's a strong girl. Uh, well, we started conversation. She's kind of cute, so I started talking. So we started talking. And she said, listen, I know my reputation. So she said, but... It's insightful into her own life. What, what it transpired in her heart, I don't know. She said, but you give me a guy who truly loves God. He's not just a bunch of hot air. He's not words. A guy who truly loves God's word, and he spends time seeking to know God, who will treat me the way God tells him he's supposed to treat me. I don't want to be pampered, but treated the way God would tell him to treat me. Someone who's really filled with the fruit of the Spirit, you don't think I'll submit to that? I mean, I'm, I'm a sinner, she said. I'm, of course, I'm going to bucket at times. But I would want to submit to that. Can you imagine a church where all the elders are who God has called them to be? With their commitment to the Word of God, such, we want to make sure that we don't read into current situations, our past histories. We say, I'm not going to be a part of those things. I'm not going to to listen. You're not the boss of me. Say, what God would you be? Here's their applications. First of all, pray as you'll be getting information next month regarding uh, appointing elders. Pray it through. Who God might might be your choice for, for this place, this time. And then, second law, let me encourage you to pray for the elders, because this is a scary kind of a talk for them, series. Because if you're an elder, you sit there with a lump in your throat, going, "Oh man, I am such in the wrong place." I, I, I. In verse, in verse one, I like this. Peter says, "I appeal to you." As a fellow elder. This is the Apostle Peter. He could have said, I appeal to you as an apostle. I appeal to you as a fellow elder. A witness, he could have said, a witness of Christ's resurrection. A witness of Christ's sufferings. For these guys, living at the time of Peter. They hear Peter and the sufferings of Christ. What do you think? What do you think? Oh, yeah, he denied Jesus when Jesus was suffering, didn't he? He ran away from Jesus when Jesus was suffering, didn't he? Decided to leave and go back, didn't he? Oh, yeah. Peter is telling the elders, got feet of clay too. Nobody in and of themselves, even though they're that which we're supposed to aspire to, none of us are are worthy in and of ourselves for this task. Yet, the cool thing is, the chief shepherd can accomplish what only he can do. Is he big enough to work through jerky people like me? God can pull that off. We now end this series. Would you pray for our elders? Pictures are in the hallway. I don't recommend you take one of the pictures, but as you pass by, pick one of them. That guy. You don't even have to know him. That guy. I'm praying for that guy. Praying for Dennis or, or Dave. Or, I'm, I'm praying for him because the task for them is just you know, beyond our.